All right, where was I? Uh, good morning. It's 9 o'clock or 9.05 by this time, Hillside, and that means it's time for a Friday morning devotion. I already tried this once, but unfortunately my internet connection wasn't real great, uh, and so I'm starting over now trying to get this thing uh, working uh, a little better for our purposes here. So uh, today we're going to be looking at a psalm that is, I, I think, very familiar to many people, and has been read, had many, uh, been read in many services, many famous uh, uh, funeral services would tend to would uh, use this psalm in the service. It's one of these psalms that has uh, a long, rich history. Our God in ages past, uh, the famous hymn by Isaac Watts is based on uh, this hymn. And so, uh, so I figured we'd go ahead and take a look at that today and, uh, and see what it has to say to us, especially in our time now. So with that, Let's go ahead and begin Psalm 90. Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So the, the psalm begins with a great enduring um, declaration of hope and praise for God being our shelter, our dwelling place, the place where we uh, can be safe and secure, uh, that he is faithful throughout all generations and all times, and therefore he is worthy of being our God. He is eternal, he is never-ending, and he is always with us. Nevertheless, this is not, at least for the bulk of the psalm, the focus of Moses, the writer of the psalm. Even though he acknowledges these things, Lord, you've been our dwelling place. You are everlasting to everlasting our God. You are faithful to us. He also acknowledges the cold, harsh realities of life. Verse 3, you return man to dust and say, Return, O children of man. For a thousand years in your sight are but as yesterday when it is past, or as a watch in the night. You sweep them away as with a flood, they are like a dream, like grass that is renewed in the morning. In the morning it flourishes and is renewed, in the evening it fades and withers. I think the picture is probably pretty clear to you of what Moses is painting for us, right? Here you have this everlasting God and uh, an eternal in power and great and mighty, and yet here we are, frail, dust. Uh, life is so quick, it's a vapor, is what he's saying. The, the imagery he uses here is like we're, we're like grass. And I don't know if you've, you know, you just picture in your mind what, what it looks like, what the grass looks like in the morning. You know, as the dew is on there, the grass is sort of standing tall. But then the evening's winds come, and it doesn't take much before the winter takes that grass away. As Moses meditates on this contrast between an eternal God and mankind, it causes him to see just how much or how quickly this life goes. 
I've mentioned this, you know, many times before, um, as a pastor who has ministered to many people at their, at their deathbeds and, um, and facing end of life issues. I can't tell you how many times people tell me that exact thing. Everything goes by like that. It goes by so quick. Moses says, for we are brought to an end by your anger, by your wrath, we are dismayed. You have set our iniquities before you and our secret sins in the light of your presence. Now, you might, you might say, well, wait, 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 wait. I didn't think that God saw my iniquities anymore, and he doesn't see my secret sins anymore because I am hidden in the righteousness of Christ. You would be correct. But nevertheless, the general sort of, if we just... Um, go back to our natural starting point apart from Jesus Christ, that is the natural state of man. The natural state of mankind is we're brought to an end. And why? Because we're under the wrath of God. And why are we under the wrath of God? Because we've rebelled against God. Or the way he puts it here, our iniquities, our injustices are brought out before him. And our secret sins in the light of his presence. We can't hide anything from him. And so the natural state of humanity is that everybody would stand condemned in the light of this eternal God's gaze. Again, apart from Christ. As Moses reflects on this, it doesn't get any cheerier here. He says, verse 9, For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength 80, yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. Who considers the power of your anger and your wrath according to the fear of you? Now, I know we don't like to talk about this very often. We don't want to talk about wrath and anger and, you know, justice and judgment and I, I get it. I mean, it can be uncomfortable. But the truth is, is uh, the scriptures are filled to the brim with this reality. And it does us no good to avoid it. As a matter of fact, it does us real good to confront it and deal with it because it can and has been dealt with. To the degree that we ignore this, we also ignore the need for the cross, we also ignore the need for the Christ. The cross is precisely why we are saved at all. And yet what happens at the cross? God's justice is poured out there. Christ propitiates for the sins of the world. He atones for the sins of the world. And so with this being the reality that apart from grace, apart from God's grace to us in Christ, we are under judgment, we're under wrath, what should be our response? Verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity on your servants. Here's, here's our cry, folks, again and again and again. So Moses sort of goes, you're eternal, I'm frail, I'm dust, and I know I'm worthy of wrath and anger because of my sin and iniquity. So what is our cry? Teach me to number my days. Teach me to be aware of this reality. And then it's just a simple plea for pity. 
Have mercy on us, your servants. Don't treat us as our sins deserve, O God. Verse 14, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be shown to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Do you see the, the change in tone and what Moses' only hope is as he reflects on this reality of the, of the relationship naturally between God and fallen human beings? He recognizes the only cry he has, the only plea he has, is a plea for mercy and pity. And indeed, he will receive it. And so will you each and every time. That will never, ever change. As we come to God recognizing our frailty and our fallenness and our need for mercy, God each and every day says, here it is. And how does he do it? He points us back over and over and over again to the source of that mercy, the cross of Christ. And so Moses' final plea, verse 17, let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us. The word for favor there, it's a, it's a fine translation, but it could actually be let the delight, the, the overwhelming joy of the Lord our God be upon us. It could be translated the abundant grace of God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So here's the in summation. Let's wrap up the psalm. God is eternal from everlasting to everlasting. Nothing can be hidden from his sight. He sees all our frailties, all our flaws, and naturally we're under his wrath. Recognizing this, what can one do? Cry out for mercy. Receive that mercy and that favor from God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then ask God to bless the work of our hands as we go from that place. As we look, to look for ways to serve our neighbor, as we look for ways to serve our family and friends, establish the work of our hands. With the days we have remaining here, God, teach us to be wise with that time and establish the work of our hands. Do something through me for the good of those around me. That's, it doesn't get much better than that. It doesn't get much clearer than that. That's the way God works in our world. That is Psalm 90. Much more could be said about that, but this is a short devotion after all, and I want to keep it short. So uh, God's richest blessings upon you as you go into your weekend, and uh, be sure to join us on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for our online worship service here at the Hillside Page. Look forward to seeing you again in person someday, hopefully sooner than later. God bless you. <laughs>